What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm joined in the studio with Rosie. Rosie, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up? <laughs> I was <laughs> contemplating going like, what's up? Like being more energetic uh, for once. Yeah. Because I realized I always just go, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> you do. It yeah. is a little anticlimactic, but people are used to it now. Yeah. So, man, you just, you were uh, out of town. I was out of town. And you were in <laughs> Snowpocalypse, uh, old Texas there. <laughs> I was, yeah. That was crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this, it's today is the 21st of February. Yep. And Texas just went through an em- enormous snowstorm. Yeah. Like, to say the least. Yeah. Like yeah. they've never had before, ever. Yeah. Like in 100 years. Yeah. And you happened to be there visiting. I happened to be there visiting. <laughs> in the, uh, I was not in an area. Mm, I want to say it because it was bad where I was. Yeah. But it was not the worst. Yeah. Like there's other parts of Texas that get hit really bad. And we got hit really bad, but we didn't get hit like as bad. Uh, I mean, it's not. Uh, there was bad. There was bad stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since you mentioned that, I know that there's a lot of people like dunking, you know, dunking on like yeah. Texas and stuff like that and making yeah. fun of it. Um, I hear I, I will. I'm trying to think of how I can phrase this um, to bring some. To protect some confidentiality. OK, so I heard this anecdote, firsthand anecdote. Yeah. Um of something that puts it into perspective and it, you know, people might be thinking like, Oh yeah, they just can't handle a little snow, you know, cause they, they got less than a foot, you know? Um, I think it was at least where I was, it wasn't yeah. that much snow, but where I was also, um, so I heard there's this, uh, the, there's this old person's home. Uh, and so I know that this is, this is a 100% accurate story of what I'm telling you because it's firsthand witness. Okay. Someone I trust. And, uh, they went to this old folks home cause people didn't, don't think about it. And, uh, there was, uh, they had lost power for three days. Wow. And this is in a big, a big city. Yeah. Not like some rural place in a nice like community, you know, like, like it wasn't some dumpy right. old folks home. Yeah. And, um, so they had been without power and water for like three days. And when this person that told me it, who was there went up, there was just old people asleep or passed out, depending you know, some were asleep at that point in their electric wheelchairs, just in dark hallways in random rooms because their electric wheelchairs had died and lost power and they couldn't charge couldn't it charge them mm. there's people there was a guy who hadn't had his insulin for like a day and a half oh man there was like it smelled bad sure there was yeah. no they couldn't take baths they couldn't yeah get change, out of bed their, people you yeah. know like they, no one could get there they didn't have enough people to get there and they don't have food and you know, like so that's terrible there's you know like we joke about how bad it is, but like it was bad. There's so, you know, I feel fortunate that it didn't happen. We, where I was, we lost power for like 16 to 17 hours overnight, most of it. So yeah. it wasn't the worst. It just got but, cold a little bit in the house. Yeah. yeah, it was very cold. Yeah. But, anyways, yeah. So I would just keep stuff like that if you're going to be making fun of Texas for not handling snow. Like, 
and I would be making fun of Texas if I didn't know this kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's bad as yeah. with any natural disaster. But yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There's still a ton. Like, I mean, uh, yeah. They were showing if you follow, like, the news hardly says anything. You have to you have to get it on social media. But yeah. like, I was I was uh, somebody had an Instagram story and it was like they were in a in like a Walmart and mm-hmm. it was just empty. There was yeah. no There's food. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't get food to it. This is this is what people forget about during natural disasters and things like this is that it when you disrupt the shipping, yeah, this yeah. is this is why you know like you need to have food supply for a, a week at least, yeah, you know, in your house for your family, yeah, and stuff in a way to cook it. Like you need to have an alternative cooking source, you know, yeah. and heat, yeah, and all of that, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw they they were like uh, making fun. I saw this joke on Twitter. I think it was. Where it's like somewhere in te- or all over Texas, you have all these like survivalist preppers and all this stuff with right. like thousands of rounds of ammunition, hundred guns, all this food supply and stuff like that, and they can't get outside their house because they don't have a shovel. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like right, um, yeah, or yeah, and and also too, I mean, there is the factor of it doesn't snow there very often, yeah. and not at that capacity, and it yeah. do- and it wasn't even the the snow so much as it was the cold it was there's just a lot of stuff that happened yeah but anyways uh, yeah well welcome back i'm glad you made yeah, it i made it I'm my glad. flight got delayed this is this is the best thing so the day i was supposed to originally fly out yeah it was clear the airport that i would have gone to to fly out was good yeah but up here returning you guys got hit, we, we got <laughs> hit with uh the i guess not the same storm but a different storm up right. here so i got stuck so it was just funny i'm like i can't leave i can't leave because of texas and now i can't fly home because of home yeah we got it for like two weeks in a row it yeah. was pretty but it's been yeah it's been stupid i'm ready for spring now yeah i'm done when it's just cold and and i did not snow pack you didn't pack right no. <laughs> and yeah. i guess you can't even go buy anything can't buy because you can't like you could barter for it like, yeah or you could steal it maybe no one has, I mean, that's, no one has rain or, uh, snow gear, snow gear. Yeah. They don't right. even carry it on the stores. No. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they? Right. <laughs> I had sweatpants, but you know, right. anyways. Uh, so what do you know, man? Hey, did you know that, uh, James Joyce, James. the author of a very classic book you might know as Ulysses. Oh yeah. Anyway, this very prolific Scottish, uh, Irish author. Yeah. He used to use Ernest Hemingway as a bodyguard. <laughs> Check this out. So it says the author of Ulysses met Hemingway in Paris during the 1920s. Both were renowned, both were renowned heavy drinkers. They began to frequent cafes and bars together. While Joyce was unathletic and had failing eyesight, his drinking companion <laughs> was tall, strapping, and prone to violent outbursts. If Joyce picked a fight, he would hide behind Ernest <laughs> Hemingway and uh, let him fight for him. <laughs> it's that's weird. Yeah, and he I, said, I mean, uh, "Think about it. Like, isn't Ulysses? I haven't read the book Ulysses. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like about a noble, valiant man? I think so. You, you know, I like, haven't read it either. I feel uh, really bad saying uh, <laughs> that. Yeah, but uh, th- th- this is funny. It says, when in the course of their drinking, he ran into any sort of belligerence, he would jump behind his powerful friend and shout, "Deal with him, Hemingway! Deal with him!" <laughs> so, loser. That's funny. Come on. Leave it to an American. That's right. That's right. In yeah. France, of all but, places. Yeah, but it, it's interesting. An Irish guy who can't fight. I know. An Irish drunk who can't fight. Yeah, I thought that was like in their DNA. Like 
they drink a little bit of whiskey and then boom, they want to start a fight. He's fight everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he threw a <laughs> soccer ball in there, he'd get he would have gotten in a fight or something. <laughs> I don't know. So we have a great episode. Yes. <clears throat> it's been uh, we had a week off there and uh, we're back at it tonight. Rachel is going to join us on the other side here in a minute, but we have a special guest named Jackie. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let her tell her story, but um, it's pretty cool. If you know anything about the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, then or if you're interested in it, this will be a good episode for you because she has an amazing story, pretty cool testimony mm-hmm. of her dealings with the NAR. And so uh, I would say this, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. That's right. (laughs) We have a great episode tonight. We are going to be uh, joined with a friend of ours, a friend of mine. Uh, Her name is Jackie White, and Jackie has an amazing testimony. She She has worked for a human trafficking organization, and... Things started off great, but they seemed to go sideways, and so she's going to join us to tell our story. Her story, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Well, we're so glad you're with us tonight, and I'm excited to hear your story because uh, I think it's going to connect with some things that we're going to be talking about in the future a little bit more as well on the podcast yeah. with different episodes. But tell us a little bit about yourself, and 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 let's hear your story. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I am very passionate about this topic because being someone who grew up in a Bible teaching church, I knew different denominations existed. I knew different styles of thought existed, but I didn't really know what that meant practically. So when I joined this organization, it was just a Christian nonprofit organization that was united under the idea of eradicating, that was the kind of term, eradicating human trafficking, specifically in Northern Virginia, where we were based. So, um, so excited, really passionate about that mission, really passionate about sharing the gospel with people who had experienced trauma, specifically within the sex industry. So when I started working there, I had come from a secular environment. So I was working in a sales job, which ironically I do again now, but that's a a side story. But I was really excited to be a part of a ministry group and coming from a secular environment to a place where I was praying during the workday and reading my, my Bible with my coworkers and talking about the Lord, it was so refreshing for me. So it started out great. Like every day we started our day in prayer and encouraging each other and listening to what we were going through and, um, just really building bonds with our team. And then things, I started noticing that the upper leadership was very like, very different than what the volunteers were like and what us 
you know, down on the staff team were like, and they were very much so under the belief that there was an extra level of spirituality to attain. Hmm. So I didn't know what that meant at first. And it was just little nuances, little, little things that were said or little um, compliments that were made to people. Oh, you have power in, in the way you pray or you can really break through or you can really do this or he's a powerhouse to the Lord in the way that he prays and things like that were at first I was like, this is awesome. This is like people who really genuinely want to know Christ and want to make him known. And I truly do believe still that that was their intention, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be like that. So it was almost like looking up to people in what they've attained in their spiritual walk and becoming more like them. So people were from all different backgrounds at this organization. They were from, you know, super conservative Baptist backgrounds to Pentecostal backgrounds to whatever. And it wasn't until we started having like deeper meetings as a leadership team that I started noticing the differences. And again, as I mentioned at first, I was intrigued. Like I wasn't even turned off by it at all. I was like, this is awesome. People are following the Holy Spirit. They want to know the Lord in a deeper way. I hadn't, I felt as though even being raised in like a Bible teaching church that I hadn't seen people with as much passion for the Lord as I was seeing here. So of course I'm like, this is, this is what I want. Um, so we started noticing that there was a difference when, when when I say we, I mean me and a couple other staff members that were kind of in the, under the same like influence. We were like, we'd come from this conservative Christian church and we wanted to go deeper, I guess, you know, quote, go deeper. (laughs) Um, so we had the, the first experience that I had where I noticed a difference was we had someone come in to quote minister to us. That was all that was the explanation. So this guy came in, there was little to no background on who he was. This was during the work day. And he started just going around and prophesying about each one of us in the room. Um, he started talking about these like grandiose things about what each of us were going to accomplish. And they were all like tailored to our personalities, which I'm still like, how did he even know these things? Right. So there were about 10 of us in the room. This took five hours. Wow. And yeah, we pretty much spent the entire work day listening to him prophesy over us. I don't even remember everything he said about me. It was something about like, I'm going to be on a stage and there's going to be like people watching. I don't even know, but (laughs) I was, I don't know. I'm going to be like some (laughs) multimillionaire speaking to all these millions of people, whatever. So he went around, it was like five hours talking about who we were and what we were going to do and where we were going to be. And I learned like looking back, I wanted to know more because we're selfish mm-hmm. at our core, right? That's why we love the Enneagram and the personality tests and the <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But tell me who I am. Like, what do I, what do I need to know about me? Like, 
why do I behave the way I do? Like whatever. So that's why he, he was such a hit with the group. Um, and the main thing that I took away from that was he looked at my boss, who was like the leader of the entire organization. And he said to her, you are now an apostle. Mm -hmm. And she raised her hands in the air and was like, yes, like finally she had arrived. (laughs) And I didn't know anything. I was like, um, what's happening? I don't know what's going on, but okay. It wasn't until later that I looked back and realized that the new apostolic reformation and the word of faith movement, which we call NAR and word of faith, um, was, it, it basically has ranking systems. Yeah. where you are assigned titles. You can be an evangelist. You can be a prophet. You can be an apostle. Apostles can do work of the Lord and basically create rules or new directions for their group that, that follows them outside of scripture. Mm-hmm. So they can get like, downloads from the Lord and now direct the group to a different direction. And it does not have to line with scripture. So she had just been named an apostle like in front of us. And that was a big deal. But to people who don't have a background and an understanding of the new apostolic reformation or the word of faith movement, that's going to go right over your head. Right. Yeah. yeah. So well, let's, let me, let me interject real quick. Cause yeah. So I know a lot of our listeners, because um, we have a pretty vast listening audience, it, it'll range from people that are more charismatic, that are more familiar with the New Apostolic Reformation, and maybe even attending a church in the NAR. Sure. Um, and there's a ton of churches that are connected with the NAR. Um, and uh, and then we have the other side of it, which are people like, you know, like where you were saying you were raised in a Bible church, where they right. might, they might um, get really freaked out when someone says, oh, apostle. Um, I just want to make one distinction real quick. Um, There are apostolic giftings. This is what Paul says in Ephesians. And most of the times when you see someone functioning in apostolic giftings, it's, I I like to look at it as like a little a versus a big a, you know, the, the, the apostles who came back in the day and gave us our new Testament and wrote, wrote, you know, gave us our, you know, the the whole, basically the epistles, those guys, the, the, the big A apostles were, when they died, that ministry stopped. So there's no more books being written in the Bible, but then there's a small A apostolic ministry that moves mm-hmm. through. And I, I think it's people that plant churches and are missionaries and, and maybe even start new works for the Lord, not necessarily outside of scripture though. That's the big thing. Um, Correct. And I feel the same thing about prophetic ministry i think there are the mm-hmm. the big p prophets that were back in the bible and then there are the little p prophets that are people that have prophetic giftings you see that in the new testament with um i think it was stephen or uh, philip's daughters he had uh seven daughters that were prophets they were called prophets and so we know that that ministry did extend into the new testament um very mm-hmm. different from like elijah and them so if you're listening to this and you hear her say uh, you know this one was proclaimed an apostle it's different than what i just described because what they look at is like a supreme authority within the church and they can they view it as a big a when it should (laughs) be yeah like medium to big a yeah (laughs) correct capital a exclamation point and yeah 
just before we get to you, I hate to just say this. Can you explain what the new apostolic reformation is? One of you guys, because we haven't somewhat, some listeners may not be familiar with it. We just kind of. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jackie, do you want to, I can, sure. I can tee off of you or whatever. That's fine. Yep. So, okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty new deep. Apostolic Reformation is so deep and there's so many facets, but I'll make it as broad as I can. Okay. I don't know how much you all have explained in other episodes or you're going to explain in the future, but essentially it's a religious movement that emphasizes ex- for the most part, experience over scripture, mm-hmm. like mysticism over doctrine and modern day apostles with the capital A over the plain text of the Bible. Okay. So particular distinction in the new apostolic reformation is the role in the power of spiritual leaders um, and miracle workers essentially hmm. um, over and, and also they have an emphasis on new revelations from God and there's a there's a pursuit essentially of changing cultural and political um, constructs within society. So they are always seeking signs and wonders um, within the new apostolic reformation, and it's always accompanied by like typically false doctrine. So like yeah. if you do line it up with with scripture, it's pretty blatantly unbiblical. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so blunt, but, um, but yeah, so the new apostolic reformation will teach that God intended the church to govern over, um, society. And so what they try and do is like change the constructs of a society in seven different areas. Yeah. Um, and that's like government and art, finances, education, religion, family, and media. Yeah. So, those are the top seven ways. And they believe that if they can change those ways that God can come, like Jesus can come back to earth as opposed to Jesus pre deciding when he can come back. We determine as a society or like as a Christian church, when Jesus can come back, if we change these seven areas. Of so it's a, society, yeah. so yeah. dominionism. Well, yeah, that's, that's actually the, the theological word they use, but, uh, it was. It comes out of the charismatic movement. It, it uh, guided by the name of C. Peter Wagner, and um, they typically um, it's it's got some tentacles that go way out. I mean, some of these churches that are in the NAR uh, church families or under the umbrella are not as charismatic as other churches, but they have mm-hmm. a real confusion about the kingdom of God, and um, mm-hmm. and this is important. They, what they believe is that they can bring the kingdom now. So the, yep. the whole idea is that like when Jesus said, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, he was, they, they take that to be a, a spiritual, we can bring the kingdom of God here now. So that means that there should be healings. There should be, um, radical, um, revivals happening, uh, things like that. Um, the problem is, is that when you have that mentality about the kingdom now, you're not understanding. <laughs> you're not understanding. It's a fundal, a f- fundal, a fundamental misunderstanding of what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, um, can I just interject about that for a second? Because I actually yeah. have been doing a study on the kingdom about this because um, I was studying uh, amillennialism and pre, you know, pre and post millennialism, millennialism, all that stuff, and this this tags in really good when Augustine wrote 
um, City of God. We mentioned this in our last episode. It really he he uh, they allegorize, and he took that from Origin that they he allegorized what what much of Revelation said when it wasn't meant to be allegory. And the problem is, is it confuses people, and it's directly connected with the kingdom of God. So when the, when those people think not not nar people, but like amillennialists or postmillennialists, they think of like the millennial reign of God, the kingdom of God. It's very different than what uh, Jesus meant or what John wrote in in the book of Revelation. In the same way, the people for that are following the NAR teachings, they think that the kingdom of God can be now and that they can usher it in now before the thousand-year right. reign. So everything that was that was promised that Jesus mentioned would be in the kingdom, they think that it's for today. Mm-hmm. Right. And the problem is, is that, and we don't have to get into it too much, but when Jesus offered the kingdom in the Gospels, when he offered the kingdom to the Jewish people, it was for his reign now, and they rejected that. So then he turned to the church and put that kingdom on pause for the Jewish people, and he's gonna he's gonna bring it back into fulfillment during the thousand year reign. So, what the the kingdom that he offers us is we're ambassadors of that kingdom, and so we're right. gonna we're gonna be partakers and we'll rule with him and reign with him in that thousand year reign. But it's really in reference to the Jews. So there's a lot of confusion. I don't have a lot of time to get into it. I don't want to get off track. Yeah, I was just we hadn't mentioned what NAR actually was. So that's yeah. why I was just trying to no. interject before we get too much. No, into. this is good. So I, anyways, yeah, but I just, um, so yeah, they have apostles, they have the kingdom now mentality and, and philosophy. Um, okay, go on, Jack. So you were, so you were working <laughs> no. for the most important apostle ever who was just anointed <laughs> no right works. in front of you. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what I was witnessing. Gosh. Um, but... No, if you have questions like that, interject because there are so many nuances and terms and mm-hmm. and like you said, tentacles that reach out into this that are making its way. It's almost like a it is moving its way through our churches, and it's so easy to miss. So yeah. ask those questions for sure. Um, so at this point, he's prophesying over us. Um, we're all under the leadership of an apostle now, I guess. And, um, so I'm starting to think like, maybe, maybe this is what I was missing in my walk with God. And guys, this is eight years into my relationship with Jesus. Like I was raised in a Christian church, walked away from the Lord, did the whole partying thing, whatever, had my own fair share of fun and came back when I was like 19. And even so like a very slow, like, progression into my faith and, and letting go of the, the world and letting go of my past habits. But this is eight years into my adult decision to walk with the Lord. I was duped by this mm-hmm. and I considered myself very, very knowledgeable of the Bible. Like, of course there's years and years of year and years left of me learning scripture. Right. But I considered myself knowledgeable and I was, still like that feeling of is something missing. Mm -hmm. Where do I need to go next in my walk with Jesus? And these people were so on fire that I was like, maybe this is what I'm missing. Mm -hmm. So we start going to Bible study at the, the apostle's house. And we, 
I'm thinking, okay, I know what Bible study is. We go, we pick a book someone wrote, we ask some questions, we read them, we pray, you know, and so I get there and I'm expecting it to be that. And she pulls out this binder that's like the fattest binder I've ever seen in my life. It is. I don't even know how that many pages fit in a three ring binder. I'm not even kidding you. Like it was, it must not have been a three ring binder. It was, it was huge. So this, I'm like, what is that? What is that binder? It's a holy and, binder. A holy oh, binder. the holiest of binders. It just okay? had all the pages. It had it, all the pages. And I'm thinking like, I need all these pages. <laughs> what are these pages? I'm missing out on so much, but it turned out they're, their exercises on how to do deliverance, mm-hmm. like demonic deliverance and um, inner healing strategies and exercises to do with people in order to like deliver them from their inner uh, pain and suffering. And I guess the way that, that it's really explained is that there's disconnect from God, right? Of course we, we do have things in our life that disconnect us from the Lord. Right. But, if you don't break through these blockages, you're not going to experience him and you're not going to, again, fulfill that mission of bringing kingdom to earth. Right. So she brings out the binder. I think to myself, like in the back of my mind, why do you need this if we have the Bible? But again, maybe there's, you know, something I'm missing. This woman's older than me. She's been in the game longer, like blah, blah. So, we start going through this binder and she starts teaching us about Sozo sessions. Have you guys heard of Sozo? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically for people who don't know about it, it's, it's a inner healing and deliverance ministry based out of the Bethel church. Um, I believe they're the ones that originated it, but their aim is to get to the root of things that hinder your personal connection with the Lord. So, um, yeah, essentially <laughs> that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing, but it was a big facet of my journey because I, in my relationship with the Lord had experienced severe anxiety, hmm. severe, um, depression and things that had hindered me from really knowing who he was. But I started thinking, you know, is this, do I need this? Like, why, why have I struggled? Right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't struggle because struggling isn't something that Christians do according to this mentality. We don't, we don't struggle. Right. We break through. That's what we do. Right. I'm talking in, in terms of if I'm a session leader. <laughs> uh, right. So, so in attaining the intimacy with God through this facilitated mental journey, which is what they do, um, was what we started to do. So we started watching these videos of Bethel. It's literally right out of the Bethel campus and they're performing social sessions on people and people, I mean, there were times when people were like having visions that were demonic, that were debilitating, that were overwhelming. They had to be moved out of the room, like weird involuntary reactions, twitching, all kinds of weird stuff that was happening. And I'm like weirded out. But also again, I've experienced anxiety. I've experienced depression. I've experienced, you know, suffering in my life. Maybe I need this. Maybe I need to remove the blockages. So, I mean, through those 
those Bible sessions or those, those sessions, whatever we want to call Bible study. Um, I started pushing down like my red flag. Right. And I started thinking, and, and also this is what's explained in that community is, Oh, this is Satan. Satan's trying to keep you from finding freedom. Right. So I'm like, well, you know, maybe I just need to be free from all that Satan, you know, taught me and all the lies I believed and blah, blah, blah. And I have such a long way to go. I have so much fixing that needs to be done inside of me. So actually my anxiety started getting worse coincidentally, (laughs) Um, which so many people, I have a really good friend who she experienced those sessions, ironically with the leader of this organization, totally unconnected, but for nine years, she was not a Christian. She thought she was, and she actually was sent into an anxiety disorder because of this type of thinking, Hmm. thinking something's wrong with me. I need to get it fixed. I'd walk out. I'm having worse anxiety than before. Again, need to start the cycle over, you know, and this is just Satan. This is okay. So now I'm like possessed by Satan apparently. Um, right. So, I mean, it just, it gets you so deep. So it it sounds like Scientology. That's literally what I was pulling up. Yeah. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like Scientology. You have to like go through different levels to get to your freedom. And you just elevate through. And then after you get to a certain point, you're just, yeah. Yeah. That's what, uh, if you guys don't mind, uh, it's called auditing in Scientology. And I just want to read, I just want to read because it's like this, just a Wikipedia thing is like exactly, (laughs) it says uh, in Dianetics, which is the book that, Ron wrote, L. Ron but, L. Hubbard, yeah. L. Ron, yeah. L. Ron Hubbard. Um, so auditing is a process whereby the auditor takes an individual through times in their current and past lives with the purpose. So that's probably different. Um, <laughs> yeah. With the purpose of ridding the individual of negative influences from past events and or mm-hmm. and or behaviors. Auditing is meant to bring the individual to quote clear status. Thus, an individual being audited is known as a PC or pre-clear. Hmm. And uh, I, I just wanted—I was looking up. I, I so this is very interesting because there's a. Uh, I thought Sozo is S O Z O. Is that how mm-hmm. you pronounce it? It is. Because there's the old yeah. demon that's Z O S O. So I was getting those confused. <laughs> oh, ironic. Sozo. Yeah. It's dyslexic. Is it? <laughs> Yeah. I think sozo means grace in the Greek, and I could yeah. be completely wrong. Yeah, but I, I think you're that's right. What but I was going to yeah. say, I, I found a definition from this is from <laughs> BethelSozo.com. Oh yeah, and okay. uh, it says, "What is sozo? Sozo is a Greek word translated for quote saved, healed, delivered. Three words. Um, sozo ministry is unique inner healing and deliverance ministry." Aim to get at the root of things, hindering your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With a healed connection, you can walk in the destiny to which you have been called. I was going to say that definition sounds very, very similar to the <laughs> auditing process. <laughs> but, wow. Totally. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Like when you, when somebody was being ministered to in this fashion, were they? Um, was it like a process to get them to that point where they were ministering inner healing? Was it like a trance where they like, were they like trying to get them to like, just 
Like, would they surround them? Like, what was it like? I do not know if they were in a trance or what in the world was going on. So what it was, was like asking them questions. And this was like over a series of hours. Mm -hmm. So like asking them questions about their past, about their childhood. Oh, tell me about that. So it sounds a lot like a, I don't know, therapy session or something. Yeah. But, but then it goes into, okay, now I want you to like, it's a lot of envisioning, right? Mm -hmm. Now I want you to close your eyes. I want you to envision yourself being in that car when you got in the car accident and no one came for you. I want you to picture Jesus next to you. And I want you to like realize that in that moment, Jesus was there. And so now, okay, I used to have trauma from cars. Now I no longer have trauma from cars because Jesus was with me in the car. Hmm. And so it's things like that. So that's just one example. But I did witness this one experience. We went to a conference, which this became normal like us going to these conferences, having these Bible studies, these social sessions. Like I remember I came into work with like, obviously having some sort of, I guess I was in a bad mood. I don't know. Maybe they could tell. So they sat me down and they were like, close your eyes. Like, what are you picturing? What kind of demons do you need to wrangle today? Things like that. And I'm like, well, I got in an argument with my sister-in-law. I guess maybe. (laughs) Really, I was probably just like tired or something. I don't know. But we went to this conference and they actually did demonstrations of people being healed, which let me just tell you, to me, red flag, if people are being healed, is it like this demonstration where, okay, sign up for the $300 course and you're going to experience freedom. Um, so she's up on stage, this woman, she's getting a social session done on her. And technically this is like a different subset. It's called heart sync. It's different, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, heart so sync? she's getting, yeah, that's okay. the, that's the name of, I mean, this pastor like branded it. Whatever. Okay. So heart sync, she's getting a heart sync session done. And this is like a big thing. There's like hundreds of people in this conference and I'm sitting there and, she starts getting asked questions about her past. They start asking her to go into this different part of her psyche herself, Mm -hmm. who she is. And I can't remember it all exactly, but at some point she turned into a different person. Mm. Like she's, her voice changed, her face changed. She was overcome by like another being. And this person was introduced as a Christian. Like she's a Christian, but she's struggling with like trauma from her childhood we're still working through it. This woman had been through like 40 sessions or something. So I'm standing there. This woman's like, I don't even know. Is she demon possessed? Like what's going on? Right. So still no explanation of what I'm witnessing. Is this something like subconscious that she's experiencing? Is this like a play? (laughs) Did they (laughs) practice this before? Like what? I mean, I still don't even know, but I'm looking around the room and this woman's like changing her entire like face and voice and everything. She's getting angry. She's fighting. She starts like wrestling around Mm -hmm. in the chair and everyone in the room is like, this is normal. I'm looking around and they're all like, "Mm, okay. So at that point, were they trying to cast anything out of her? Because it sounds like she didn't say anything about Jesus. They didn't. They just asked her more questions like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. And, 
calm down and, and okay. And we're just going to get deeper into this root of, of, of the problem here, the problem. It wasn't like in the name of Jesus, we're going to cast this out. Right? right. Like it would have been done in scripture. Right. No, it was like the blockage needed mm-hmm. to be chipped away at. And I was discouraged because I was looking at her like this woman, they introduced her as a Christian. She'd been walking with the Lord for 30 years or something like that. And she had been in 400 billion of these sessions and she was still going nuts on stage. Right. Like I was like, Whoa, what kind of things are inside of me? Because <laughs> I haven't been to one of these heart thing sessions and I don't have $300. So I don't even know what's going to happen to me. But, but um, she hasn't been that, audited. Was, that was something that was, I was, so it was eye-opening to me i was like and also the fact that everybody was sitting there like it was normal yeah so yeah that's kind of how they're structured they're like a therapy session on steroids with the name of jesus thrown in when uh let me ask you a question so were you going to an nar church at that time no okay i was attending mclean bible church still wow yeah yep Yep. So and, ha- had you seen any like sermons from like pastors preach from NAR at all when, in these, in these conferences or anything? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So when we held a conference, a human trafficking conference, we invited someone to come talk about human trafficking and how to fight it. And her name was Kat French. She runs an organization in Texas called Elijah Rising. Um, They actually do a lot of great work down in Texas. They go into brothels and they actually like shut them down and they change them into businesses. They they do a lot of amazing stuff. Um, We invited her out to talk about human trafficking, how to fight it in Northern Virginia. We set her up um, to basically have two days at our conference to talk. She gets up. No one had vetted what she was going to say. <laughs> and uh, she actually started preaching about specifically the new apostolic reformation. Mm. And this was the, my first time hearing that name, that word. Um, and she started talking about how if we don't wrangle the evil, like in our power, if we don't go out and wrangle it, then human trafficking is going to take over our area. And the way that we fight it is through... Now I know these terms, spiritual mapping, going out, praying over specific areas, prayer walks, um, you know, dominionism, things like that, that are basically taking control over our specific region. So that was the first time I had heard someone preach specifically about the new apostolic reformation. And she gave a really big rundown of it, which is, so interesting, but she was for it. She had been a part of it. I guess she was a prophet or I don't know. She was something. Uh, I don't know what her title was. Um, but she basically preached all about it and how we were not going to be able to be successful as an organization fighting human trafficking unless we adopted this mentality. Hmm. That was kind of my intro into it. Did into you, the specific preaching. You were going to say something, Rosie? Yeah, I, I don't want to hop back, but it, it was really, sorry, I was to hop back to kind of maybe scare you guys a little bit. Uh, so I apologize. I w- incorrectly said Sozo, Zozo was Z-O-S-O. Yeah. It's actually Z-O-Z-O. So Z-O-Z-O. I apologize. Isn't that the Led Zeppelin? Uh, yeah, it yeah. was. But anyway, so when you were talking about this, and I, I'm interested in as well, 
um, because there is a lot. Uh, you mentioned Bethel Church before. Uh, that Bethel's mm-hmm. a big in our church, if anyone yeah. didn't know. Um, I remember a couple of years ago they started coming out with this stuff, which I would be interested to hear if you have any experience with this stuff. But they came out with tarot cards that they did a um, yep. it was angel cards yep. I think they called them, and they also mm-hmm. came out with a different version of the Ouija board, which was yep. they call it the Bethel board. The Bethel board they yeah. actually called it that. And uh, so when I was <laughs> just caught when I was trying to look up how the the Zozo thing, um, this little internet interesting connection popped up. So apparently. Not only is this Zozo character, demon or whatever, has been uh, uh, referenced. It said there's this, the first book was written in 1818 as a French text called Le Dictionnaire Infernal. So I would assume, I don't know, Inferno, French. Infernal Dictionary. Yeah, so a dictionary of demonic of things. Hell, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but apparently since then, Zozo is directly connected with the Ouija board. Oh, as wow. in ah, one of the lovely. main uh, demons or entities that is commonly uh, uses that doorway. Uses the, the Ouija yeah. board doorway. Yeah. So I thought that that was wow. very interesting. Wow. <laughs> that not only do you have a very similar name, and I mean, obviously, it's a they took the Greek word, but it's close enough that it gave me a little thing. But mm-hmm. when you started describing that person and what they were going through, that was literally like, I think everyone was probably thinking it. That sounds exactly like demonic possession. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say <laughs> that it's interesting to me that I found this information about this other demon that happens to possess people during that. Um, so I was kind of wow. using that as a, uh, yeah. Do you have any experience with like, Using the Bethel boards or the, or the, the tarot, the Christian, time, time the to Christian come clean. Come on, or, come clean. Not you particularly, but <laughs> did you, did this take place, place in any of those sessions that you witnessed or? Uh, no, it did okay. not. No, it did not. Um, so what was unique about my experience is that everything tried to be very under wraps huh. in a way of like, let's not go too far to scare the conservative Christians. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But like, you know, cause we were seen as like very, very, okay. They're new to this stuff. We got to like, let them get their feet wet. By the time we had gotten a few months into this stuff, I started doing my own research and being mm-hmm. like, what is happening? So did those things happen behind closed doors that I wasn't a part of possibly? Um, but I did not experience the, okay. the Ouija board, the Bethel board. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's scary about that is that uh, it it if you did come across that, like you said, like you were in you were in these sessions and your discernment was let down because you trusted the people, and so yep. when something that heretical gets introduced after a certain amount of time, you just are numb to it, mm-hmm. and you just take it on yep. as okay, this is the next thing. But uh, yeah, so um, but I guess Rachel's putting up on her screen here. Oh, you had it. You were you were sharing. I'm putting up a couple notes about what the meaning of sozo is. So according to sozoministries.net, um, <laughs> the Greek word sozo is the word for salvation, yet the root word means it goes beyond the forgiveness of sins. According to Strong's Concordance, it also carries the idea of being physically healed of diseases and to be delivered from your enemy. So it hmm. means like deliverance, 
to be um, healed from or saved from, saved out of. Um, yep. It salvation to save, deliver, yeah. to make one yeah. whole, or restore, to heal, be whole. Um, so it's usually used when Jesus is healing someone physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Then a funny thing is it it also pulled up this thing. Um, because it has the same meaning and it's a figure in Greek mythology. It, it like I, when I searched for Sozo, it pulled up everything that's related to it too. So related in Greek mythology, Soteria um, was the goddess or spirit demon of safety and salvation, deliverance, preserve, preservation <laughs> from harm, not to be mistaken for uh, someone else, uh, Elios. So Soteria was an epithet of the goddess Persephone, meaning deliverance or safety. So related in Greek mythology is well, that spirit. Well, the study of salvation is soteriology. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that makes But like it's, it's interesting. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no question in my mind that what they're doing is they're moving away from biblical ministry. You know, if you just stick to the word, you're not going to wander into these bizarre areas. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, they, do they, um, do you know if they believe that Christians can be demon possessed or demonized? You know what? I I don't know if they believe that Christians can be demon possessed, but I would go as far as to say that at, at the very least they believe that, de- that demons can oppress, which right. that can be true, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as actual possession, I would I would say out of my own experience, yes, based on them introducing people as Christians and then them going on to being possessed. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like but, I, I'm trying to make sense of that lady that was convulsing and became a different person. You, you want me to I tell don't. you what happened? Is that they're clearing out people and they're possessing them. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll say it. What do you mean they're clearing out <laughs> well, people? Well, I was going to say, it's very interesting that everything goes like hand in hand of like what you're talking about. I don't know. Like in my mind, it goes to uh, like I like to visualize it. Is first you have this healing, these sessions of clearing like the old you know and they say like you, you need to like move past all these old things that you're like reliving and so that you can like empty yourself so you can get filled by the holy mm-hmm. spirit and at the same time right. you're also so you have this these acts of draining oh right and then you combine it with these acts of filling <laughs> and because they're not christian like it's not it's false doctrine i i, I see like this direct connection that they're like getting yeah. people possessed and i think the people I, I think that's true yeah. yeah yeah and you open yourself up like i mean when you begin to believe these things you you give it permission to fun- yep. i just have a hard time <laughs> i need to do more study on demonology that's what i need to do but uh well you know what there's a binder for that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i bet there is <laughs> i bet there is <laughs> I don't want Bethel's ideas of of demonology. I want Paul's totally ideas. Good. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay, so let's get back to your story a little bit here. So now you're you're deep into this. You're going to conferences. You're hearing people yep. preach it. You're you're wondering. You're starting to doubt your own sanctification, really. Um, sure. You know, because of uh, just having dealing with the flesh, depression, and anxiety. Yep. What um. So you're now you're deep in this. What what's the next phase of the story here? You start to get clued in a little bit. Yeah. So I did. I started to get clued in after after, after this point. So the whole session about the new apostolic reformation. I'm like, 
people were in an uproar because people attended that conference that came from all different walks. And we had a lot of well-known churches that were supporting this organization. Yeah. And they were Bible teaching churches and they were not about this. And they had a lot of experience with it, which I didn't. Um, and through the complaints of the churches of, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this what you guys believe? Do you guys align yourself with this type of thinking? I started being like, what, what type of thinking? I mean, I know it's been a little weird. I saw some people be possessed, but like, <laughs> what is the new episode? <laughs> what's the new apostolic reformation. So I started doing my own research and I am a nerd about researching. So I will literally dive into this hole of foreverness on a topic. And I read a lot of books. I listened to podcasts. I listened to YouTube videos of people who had come out of the Bethel supernatural world of Mm -hmm. the school (laughs) of ministry. Yeah. Yeah of something. Um, and I I did a lot of, um, research on my own and I started discovering like that this was this whole other subset of Christian culture and Christian community that I didn't know existed. And I started seeing, not only did I see that it existed, I saw that it existed in many relationships that I had, many churches that I had attended, many sermons I'd listened to, Um, and I started seeing how it's, how sneaky it was Mm -hmm. just making its way in very slowly. And I've seen that this type of, this type of thinking comes up from the bottom Mm -hmm. a lot. It's the individuals that attend the church or the individuals in the community start saying little keywords, kingdom, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they start throwing out those terms. They start praying in certain ways. Right. Like even the way you pray, who you pray to or like praying at at Satan as, as opposed to like praying to Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like the w- little nuances that you don't notice at first, I started seeing. And so I got freaked out in the sense of I was like, I got to tell everyone that I know that they're crazy. No, but um <laughs> Honestly, I, my eyes were open and I, and I praise God for that because I truly, it was, it was the Lord. I mean, I had been totally led astray with the idea of, I have breakthroughs that need to be made or whatever. Everything that's wrong in my life is because I haven't, right. (laughs) And so I had been totally led down that path and, and thankfully the Lord opened my eyes through some different things that I read or experienced. And I started kind of going on this, like, I'm going to talk to the people that I work with about this and try and open their eyes too. Um, but that's a whole other like story in itself, but that's kind of where it ended for me personally being duped by it, but it turned into this whole, almost evangelism within the Christian faith and within the Christian church, because I started realizing, Oh, like there's a difference between someone calling themselves a Christian and and being saved. And there's a difference between a complete unbeliever. Like there are people that need to be saved within the Christian church. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So it started turning into that passion for me. Just helping people open their eyes to, the unbiblical teaching that was happening that is so prevalent in America right now. Did did you just 
put in your two weeks and roll like after no oh really okay was no. it a, was it no. a pretty challenging time it was it was very challenging um i went on pro- for probably another year and a half after that Whoa. um yeah so i really like got to odd ends with a lot of the leadership i started recognizing that they were using these prophecy sessions that we were having um for direction of the ministry. So if things had been downloaded to a prophet, and I say the word downloading because that's like a legitimate term that's used. Um, So it's downloaded to the prophet and then they're shared with everybody else. They were using those words for directions of the organization, where they were going to spend their money, um, who they were going to pay and who they weren't, and donations were being made to the organization and then used for these things. And so um, I started getting a lot of discomfort about that. And I started getting really uncomfortable when I found out that the women who were going to be doing their intake programs were going to be doing these sessions. So severe trauma Mm. that you would experience, Mm -hmm. right? The most ultimate trauma years that whoever your experiences, if you're in the sex industry, like it could be years or it could be months or whatever, but now they're using these Sozo sessions and inner healing ministries to deliver them from the oppression that had they'd experienced. So that was where I was finally like, I'm out. So was it, were they yeah. trying to use the NAR teachings on the people that they were rescuing out of human trafficking the whole time that you were there or just towards the end there? No, it was the whole time. Really? But they... So it was, it was different in a sense of at the time when I was working there, they had a, a clinic where people would come in, they do intakes, they'd get their needs met depending on their specific stories or gaps that needed to be filled. They would um, fill them, but it was way more under wraps and underregulated than it probably is now. So it was a lot of just like meeting with the leadership and talking with them and, there weren't a lot of boundaries yeah. that were put in place. Um, so honestly, I can't even say what fully happened behind closed doors, but I know enough to know that when you're the leader and you think this way, of course you're going to share that right. with the people that you're helping. Right. Like, right. I mean, that's the lens she saw her life through or like the people that were facilitating to these women. That's how they saw their faith. So of course that was incorporated. And then they wanted to create like a actual facility for these women to stay overnight. They could stay up to two years. They're in the process of building out that organization right now. It's a whole separate entity. Um, and part of that two year program that they can stay at, um, will incorporate these regular inner healing sessions. Yeah. What's so disheartening about that is when a person is introduced to faith and to Christ through through that type of ministry, um, when it really gets real, it's going to be hard for them because they're going to feel so let down. When right. and and because especially when you move outside of biblical, you know, ministry, uh, it just does. It's not going to have the impact. It can't have the lasting impact. And so at some point there there's going to be a like an awakening in that person where they're yeah. just going to give up. They're either going to be spiritually bankrupt and just give up or, and just run away and go back to maybe an old life 
um, or they're just going to be so disheartened and they'll become jaded, you know, to the truth. They'll just be like, oh, I know you Christian types. You guys are weird. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hang out with you. Two things that I, well, maybe more than two things, a few things that I have read, um, whether by listening to uh, different testimonies of people who came out of um, Bethel slash Sozo or people who are involved in a um, NAR denomination of some, well, the umbrella of some kind, is they don't want to put God in a box. They don't want to put Jesus in a religious box. Sometimes, in their words, God wants to go off the page and wants to let them know something. And they're going to, like, their discernment is going to tell them something different than someone else's discernment about a particular, you know, situation or a decision that they need to make or, you know, the way that they need to move forward with their life or how they need to act. Like, it's almost like you're, you have a different Holy Spirit than I have, than I have. And then, um, and there's almost no structure for like truth because, because the problem is if you're not going to the word of God as the infallible truth, then you're going to either fall prey to different interpretations or you're going to be like, well, that, you know, that doesn't apply or you're going to be led astray very easily by emotionalism. And emotionalism is the other thing I wanted to bring up, which is that feeling of those highs, those spiritual highs. And so when people are going to those um, churches, the way that they feel, and sometimes if you're dealing with a church like um, IHOP where they have like 24 hour prayer rooms, you're dealing with people who have a lot of like sleep deprivation or you have um, <laughs> like a lot of like early, early, early morning sessions. And, you know, the, again, more of that um, not cult like mentality, but just where the one leader it, is basically anointed and you can't question them, that kind of thing. The cult when you have stuff. that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have that, then and you are going to be heavily pressured for trying to like go to something as your standard, like the Bible, then it makes it so disheartening when all of a sudden, like when those feelings go away, you're going to, it's almost like an addiction. You're going to want to keep going back to those spiritual highs and you're going to go back to those people who make you feel a certain way, even if it's kind of a codependent codependency or something. So that is like really hard to, I can totally relate to why you would want to just get out of the situation because to try and change the leaders' minds or even the group's minds about the way to move forward with trafficking victims, that would be so hard Yeah, because that's like the worst possible way to, to go about it. And that's just stirring up a lot of old trauma and who knows what spirits are being involved here. Like 100%. you were talking about soul ties. You're talking yep. about, drug use you're talking about witchcraft occultism like there's so much going into that that Mm -hmm. it's almost like a recipe for disaster so i'm very very thankful that you're sharing about this because if people don't have that standard of truth there is no true liberation and freedom yeah no even satanic ritual abuse you know victims yeah in the human trafficking um, one of the things, Rachel, that you were mentioning there that made that made me think is a lot of times when you create a, a spiritual heart hierarchy uh, in a system like that, um, it it creates a lot of. Um, well, I don't. Let me just say it this way: when you look at the early church, the the Peter 
in Paul, for instance, the pillars in the New Testament church, uh, Paul rebuked Peter. And the reason he could rebuke them is because they had mutual submission to one another. <clears throat> there wasn't, yeah. you know, Peter wasn't like, hey, whoa, 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 Paul, I was the one who walked on water, not you. Uh, <laughs> I, I am the apostle of Jerusalem. And so you stick to your Gentile friends. No, it was nothing like that. It was mutual submission because they were they knew that Jesus was the king of it all. He was the head pastor of the church. He was the he was the head of the church. So yeah. when you create this spiritual hierarchy, you know, and it's a system and then someone's anointed as the prophet or the apostle, um, it gets disheartening for some people and it also creates this like ladder climbing spiritually, like, oh, I have to have the next yeah. vision. Oh, yeah. yeah, I have to have the next discernment, I have to have the next word. <laughs> You know, and then you get known yeah. for your words because you're so accurate and you, you know, and it's just all out of balance. And Jesus gets lost in the middle of it all. Like, where's the yep. glory to Jesus? Yep. Where's the Holy Spirit? So you know, yep. it's like, go ahead, Bruce. Oh, I, I am just interested, like the, the, to go back to the guy that like, quote unquote, anointed her would, I have a couple questions. Like the first one was... <laughs> Um, how, how, uh, how established was, uh, the organization prior to her becoming an apostle? Was it like fairly early on and then she like took on it and ran with it? Like how early, do you know how early on or... So the organization had been at that time in existence for 10 years. Okay. So and it wasn't new. Yeah. It being established is another another thing. So right. Okay. It was still very unstructured, mm -hmm. very much so fly, fly by the seat of our pants. What's our vision? What's our? They knew that they wanted to create like an intake program where women could live, literally live. Yeah. Like again, like I said, up to two years. They knew they wanted that. They wanted land for that. Um, and so part of that prophecy uh, session was them also telling us that we were going to have land given to us, huh. um, in order to create that guys, ironically, I think they got land given to them. Um, <laughs> but I mean, so as far as established 10 years, it'd been 10 years and it started out as a group of pastors that yeah. had just started meeting and being like, we think trafficking is a problem. Yeah. And so we're going to pray about it. And then it led into, um, you know, a board of, of elders or not elders, but like a board of directors. And then, um, she took over two years prior to that. Okay. That, that, so it's like today she's been in, in that role for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. right now. Um, I disconnected when I disconnected from working there, I disconnected entirely. Unfortunately, I felt as though I couldn't really support yeah. that anymore. So, yeah. um, I don't really know much as far as like where they are today, but at that time I'd say it's been in existence for a long time, but it was also like fairly unstructured still. That's interesting. Yeah. And I guess you don't have to name him on here, but I'm curious as to like, who was this? The, <laughs> I'm intrigued the by prophet. this guy, yeah, by the prophet. Yeah. Like it part of, it's very weird. Like, uh, I don't know how to say it. Um, it's interesting that uh, I think for you that you happen to be witness to like 
this historical event in her life. You know what I mean? Like that literally, uh, you know, where everything you were in, you literally in the room when they were making all this stuff happen. And like, was this guy well known? Was he like some homeless dude that they just let in and said, Hey, you're, you're sitting outside and you talk a lot. You want to come in and prophesy or mm -hmm. I mean, joking, but like, was he, do you have any idea who this guy was? Was he, oh, okay. Okay. So was yeah, he I mean, I don't, in the well, okay, so circles? Is he legit? Can you say that? I is don't, he legit? I mean, with, I mean, within according to yeah, according group, to them, probably yes. Okay, very legit. Um, huh. he his entire job is prophesying, and he gets paid for it. Huh. <laughs> How much did they pay him to come in and, and hundreds of dollars? Okay, just hundreds. Probably pretty. Yeah. He's yeah. a pretty cheap prophet. <laughs> so she paid him hundreds of dollars to get pronounced an apostle. Huh. He's probably like, man, yeah. for five hundred bucks, I can name you an apostle. For a thousand, I can give you the dual headship of prophet apostle. <laughs> oh, thousand no. bucks, throw it down. You can get it. I just. I mean. Oh, I'm getting the. I'm getting the spirit shivers. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling like you are an apostle. I like. That. I, I mean, just for fun, I can I can send you guys the link after this. But um, yeah, it's a whole business. Yeah, yeah no I was question. gonna say. All joking aside, this seems like something I should do. <laughs> I would like to do. That. If anyone, all joking aside, if anyone out there, all joking aside, I'm like, oh no, maybe I should tone down the joking because I'm so sarcastic. No, absolutely not. I am gonna use this. You are, um, you are witness to not only that historic event as uh, that lady was pronounced apostle. I'm gonna use this right now to, if you want to pay me three hundred dollars an hour, I will come. To your place, you have to pay for me to fly, yeah. and I will prophesy for you. But no hotel and no rental car. No, those That's are included. You. Oh, you got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want in on this money. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to break it up because we were literally I'm just dead. talking about Prophet Rosie. How uh, we're this organization? Yeah, but what's is your what's healing. your name? What's your prophet name? Your prophet name? Uh, Jebediah. Like a like a Jebediah. <laughs> Jebediah the seer. No, Jebediah Rosie Poppy seer. Jebediah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Rosie. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail yeah. too much, but. No. All right, let's call you prophet for the rest of this. <laughs> Please do. So, uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from that. <laughs> I wanted to pull up something interesting. Um, and this is, uh, this is something in Deuteronomy 13. Sweet. So. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and a sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. And so they, it's actually a really harsh punishment. Um, yeah. For that, and that's actually why the Jews crucified uh, Jesus because they were basically thinking he was calling them to serve himself, even though he was God, and even though he was doing all the signs and the wonders. That's the reason why he did not uh, pass the test in their eyes, um, and also um, if he was, uh, yes, yeah, so if he was giving signs and wonders, even if they came true. And was calling people to follow after a different God whom they have not known and serve them, then that is apparently, um, you need to be put to death. So yep. it's crazy that like, 
It's so simple. God puts it right there. He says, you shall follow the Lord your God, fear him, keep his commandments, listen to his voice. And it's like, there's an easy alternative. And if it's not God, you need to know who God is. Otherwise, you're going to be following another God who you have not known. Sure. And so the problem with, and I actually pulled up um, Luke 11 and I posted it to you guys. So if anybody wants to go home and read Luke 11, um, it's talking about um, an impure spirit um, being cast out. And if it comes back, if it comes out of a person and it goes through arid places seeking rest, and it does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. If it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put it in order. Then it will go and take seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they will go in and live there. So, and the final condition of the person is worse than the first. So it's crazy because if you don't have the Holy spirit living in you, then it's going to be very easy. Your house is going to be swept clean. It'll be very easy for the thing that was just cast out to come back with seven more. So it's just like, it's mind blowing to me that like if, but, but the, the, I got to interrupt you because I don't want anyone to be confused that there is that person that it was swept clean. It was not replaced with the Holy Spirit. No, it wasn't. Right. Because that's an important distinction. If if you accept Christ, if you if you surrender in, by faith to Jesus and you trust in him for salvation, then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says yeah. in Ephesians. So they can't come back into that. Yeah. They want to, yeah. and, but they can't. Yep. And you probably... You can't get you can't get a demon help by just self help or right. intense mm-hmm. therapy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, that's yep. that's a great point too. Yeah, and the the whole idea of the arid place. This is what's inter- interesting because that point that you're making, Rachel, is that like that woman for ten years going through intense therapy. Uh, it may have been that she'd had these cycles where it was reprieved, and maybe they were in arid places giving her (laughs) giving their home a break to get cleaned up so they could come back and party and uh, wreck it again you know Mm -hmm. from the inside wow yeah and that's the one thing about like you know you can say all the right things you can even claim jesus's name but if you're not truly if you're not truly saved only god knows that and there there will be people calling out lord lord and he'll say i never knew you so there are people who i believe that there are people who call jesus's name and it's not legit in their heart and they are living a lifestyle completely contrary. Well, what you, yeah. ju- what you just said, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of that where it says like, when we didn't, we cast out demons in your right. name, Lord, right. Right. Exactly. like it literally yeah. said, that, prophesy, that crazy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, prophesy demons. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <clears throat> so, so, and what, here's the other thing too, that really bugs me about, um, this and i'm just gonna like i feel like uh what's that peter griffin you want to go and grind my gears yeah <laughs> you remember that <laughs> i feel like that but when they talk about this whole when you hear talk about it, and i hear a lot of really well-meaning christians talk about this you know in end of days uh harvest to come in and i've been really searching for that harvest in the bible i don't see it the, yeah. the, the only place where a great harvest comes in is during the tribulation period when it's, but it's Jews. It's Jews that are returning to Christ. Not, it's not like a worldwide harvest. And, you know, he sends out the 144,000 and yep. the angels are flying through the air, you know, preaching the gospel, trying to bring them, you know, back. And, and you had the two witnesses and that's when the harvest comes in that, that little, that it's like at the third, third, third and a half year or whatever is when it starts. 
that's when you see it. You don't see a big harvest coming in. And the, Jesus said in the Great Commission that we are to go into all the world. He said the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So mm-hmm. it's the works ahead of us. It's it's just to me, it's like um, it's more of this selling something to somebody like you could you could have a special gift. You don't even realize it yet. We're going to pray for anointing over you. You're going to either be a prophet or an apostle or you're going to have some you're going to have a vision or dreams and you're going to be this amazing person. And also you're going to be part of ushering in the great kingdom with the harvest. And you're going to be recognized by Jesus yourself. You know, he's going to see you and they sell something to people when we already have the instructions, we already have the great commission. We already have what, what God's asked us to do and empowered us to do by the Holy spirit already. We have everything we need. In fact, scripture says that Peter says everything pertaining to life and godliness is found in Christ. So we don't need anything extra. There's no extra special anointing or dose or whatever you want to call it. We don't need a prophet Rosie. We got the word of God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rosie. But we don't. You owe me. I'm I'm suing you for millions of dollars of lost income. (laughs) Lost income. Lander. Yeah. I I wanted to say it's also just at the same time anyone that's listening because i picked up when you said ironically you know they the guy had prophesied that they would get land and then they got land um Mm -hmm. i think that it's to get um serious that like that stuff can happen you know what i mean like there there is power like just the fact that like in the bible when he said we cast out demons in your name we prophesy um Moses, you know, and the staff, like the other, the, the magicians, yeah, their staffs did yep. turn into snakes yep. and yep. then Moses's ate them. So there was magic. Like they did call yeah. down mm-hmm. fire, like stuff yep. did happen. There is power. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a, another one of those things we talk about it often. You have to be very careful about what you let in and, you know, because there is, mm-hmm. there is power in this and someone uh, like you had said immediate uh, early on when like the guy who had no idea who you were and was still prophesying over you saying things that yep. were uniquely uh, accurate to you. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he was yep, yeah. spot on. He was catching stuff like so there is I just want to again preface by not to um, and I, I guess I haven't been the best during this episode of uh bringing the importance of uh that this is like a big deal yeah i'm trying i'm trying to bring some levity to it and probably too much uh no i mean but i mean i I, i'm just saying like this is very real if you hear someone that prophesies over you um in some weird way they may they may be accurate in some way yeah. yeah and demons do have power that can tell them things that they wouldn't know normally yeah um, well, yep. I can, I can, you know, I, I was uh, saved in a charismatic church yeah. called the Vineyard, and they're part of the NAR actually. But back when I got saved in '88, it was like kind of the beginnings of all this stuff. We had, yeah. we had this guy named Paul Kane. He came to our church and prophesied, and like he was like telling people, "You have forty-seven cents in your pocket," you know, and they would pull out and they, they had forty-seven cents, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. He was like this guy. He had a gift. I, the worst part about all of this is, I think that. A majority of the people that are involved have good intentions. Hmm. 
That's yeah. that's the hardest part about all of this. And when I laugh and I make fun of it, it's because of the absurdity to, of it all to me. It's absurd right. to me to think that. But when you have somebody that's like, I can remember having the feeling when the prophet was going to come to our church or whatever, having the feeling like, oh, great. I can't wait for him to say, I hope he calls me out. I hope he says something special about me. Mm. And it's exactly what Jackie was saying at the beginning when you were talking about how we're this self-consumed people. And so Mm -hmm. the problem is it it takes it all off of Jesus and all onto me. And it's just backwards the way, you know, it should be. Yeah. Much in the way that you said, like everything uh, that you were quoting, that everything we need to know about life and godliness is found in Christ. Everything we need to know Mm -hmm. about ourselves is found in Christ as well. I mean, that's the, Mm -hmm. the same thing as like, and it's it, found in the Bible, which is insane that they don't. Uh, that if you start preaching the Bible to them, they, you're called a legalist, or you're called oh, of course. right. You know, you're you're this, <laughs> you're you're religion. You're religious. You yeah. you worship right. the Bible. That's it's like the Holy Trinity <laughs> with the Bible added on. You know. Yeah. I, but I, the I, point yeah. of the point of the gospel is not, you know, Jesus saves you. So that you can move towards self actual actualization. Mm-hmm. It's actually <laughs> it's about becoming more like Jesus, <laughs> yep. and that means your old self is going to die. It means yep. there's going to be sanctification. There's going to be refining by fire, and you probably won't be the same person you were five years ago if you're becoming more like Jesus every day. So yeah. that's kind of a hard. Uh, message to hear for a lot of the people who just really want you know their ego tickled a little bit <laughs> but yeah. yeah but yeah you're going to be told that you have the religious spirit and you need to rebuke that because jesus is not religious like that that's right, right? he had long hair and no shoes he was not <laughs> religious uh-huh. he was a nazarene baby all right now it no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it, it, it's uh, this is a whole other topic, but it, it's one of those things. Um, I don't know. It, it's such a human thing to want to be an individual and like think that, uh, you know, there is uh, like I have some great purpose aside from myself and we all, you know, want to, I think that's an innately human thing to want to do that. I'll say it's an, an, an innately Western idea because yeah. the Asians don't see themselves as individualists. It's a whole other thing. But um, the it, it's just interesting. I, I was just thinking like in heaven, like when we get there, you know, that's one of those things that's kind of the cat's out of the bag. Um, like if you uh, if you you're like oh so I'm just gonna strive to be like every other Christian and believe the same stuff that people have been believing for thousands of years that's still in the old book and all that stuff you're like yeah what do you think heaven's gonna be like you're not gonna be like super individual you're gonna be like pr- praising God with like millions <laughs> and billions of point. other people like <laughs> right. it doesn't you know we are created differently for God's purpose but at the same time it, it, it's just funny when like you go back to it. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to, like, in heaven, I'm not going to worry about, uh, you know, yeah, what my Enneagram is or if I'm better at uh, speaking than someone else. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, we're all going to be praising God for eternity. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's it's not that it's boring because it's not the proper term. I can't think of a term because it's it's anything but boring. But it's like everything is, we're going to be doing the same thing. 
You know what like I mean? Like preoccupied with, with God's glory and not with ourselves. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like yeah. we're not going to worry about like, oh, you sing better than I will. Right. You know, right. it's going to be like, oh, we're singing. You but, know? But when you're consumed right. with God's glory, his glory is unending. So it's, <laughs> it's like, it's so vast. It's like, uh, like staring at a diamond. You just turned a little bit, you get a different reflection every time, you know? Yeah. And, um, but God's glory is like that. It just, we won't, we won't grow weary or tired of it because it's going to be all consuming new all the time. Mm. Like it's just yeah. unending in its vastness and uh, we can't even think of it, but yeah. Well, Jackie, I, first of all, I just wanted to tell you, thank you for yeah. sharing your story. Um, it was really interesting to hear. And I love the, the talks that we, that we had in between here. Is there anything you want to add to it before you, before we sign out here or? No, I mean, yeah, no, yeah. Um, The thing I want to add is that, Rachel, you mentioned it and and we said it a few times, but the authority of scripture is supreme over everything because if you don't have that foundation of scripture, you do not have anything. Mm -hmm. Like you are open to every form of heretical teaching and practice Mm -hmm. that could ever come into your brain or into your sphere of influence. So, even someone like me who had known scripture for so many years, like if I take my eyes off of it for a moment and I get enticed by things around me, like I can be swept away so quickly. And, you know, yeah, we make jokes about things. Like you said, it just sounds so crazy to us looking back at it. It wasn't crazy to me mm-hmm. when I was in it. Yeah. I really wanted freedom from the anxiety I was experiencing. But now yeah. I know that I'm in, that I, I have flesh that I'm going to have until the day I die. However, this is a sanctification process. And guess what? Sanctification can involve suffering mm-hmm. and it can involve, yeah. um, it involves surrender and it involves being humble and it involves dying to self and it involves serving. And that's the opposite of what I thought for that time mm-hmm. that yeah. I was involved in that. And so what I'd say is like the two foundational things that we need to focus on and not drift away from is who Jesus is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and the authority of scripture and that it's infallible and that it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because if you say that it's just like a nice book or whatever, then you don't have anything to stand on. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I'm like, it's scary to think about mm-hmm. to yeah. not have that foundation. Yeah. So that's what I would say is that, knowing scripture, not just cherry picking verses here and there, but knowing scripture as a whole Mm -hmm. and therefore knowing the purpose of the story of scripture and also knowing who God's character is as a whole can be the foundation for leading a life of godliness Mm -hmm. and not being led astray by this because as we go along in our lives and especially like I guys, I saw a change in the atmosphere (laughs) <laughs> in the last <laughs> in the last year mm. it yeah. really changed mm-hmm. and we really need to stick to yeah what we know is true yeah for sure mm-hmm. and i was gonna say much in the same way that uh you said you know you used your platform and you are open you, the reason you came here to talk to us was to educate people so that they don't Uh, either uh, know how to avoid getting swept in or to people that are in to pull them out out and uh, 
I was going to say at the same time, uh, I, I always just feel really bad if I make too light of a situation is that um, like I believe some really crazy stuff. People know I, I still believe in some crazy stuff. It doesn't have to do with Christianity, but um, and I've been wrong about a lot of stuff, too. And yeah. uh, like it, just because like everyone gets duped, it's OK. But like to be able to come out and speak actively against it is also very important. So right. like like what you said that you like Turner, you said like you you hoped for that stuff and not you know not that it was gnar back then or anything like that but like it there's no there shouldn't be any shame like to mm -hmm. get um get duped by beliefs you know I'm, I'm sure i believe some very heretical stuff that i had no idea about because i drifted uh or wasn't reading my bible enough or you know like things like that yeah. that um right it can be a common thing and not to let it discourage you um, much yeah. in the same way of like, so if anyone is listening and you, you're like, this sounds pretty close to home. Um, what do I do? You know, like, don't, don't leave the faith, like come find the real faith, you know, like don't uh, get scorned at Christianity as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want this to be discouraging to people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thanks, man. That's, that's like, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Rach. No, but it, for real, like not, not knowing the, uh, what the real thing actually is or the real thing, maybe being a little bit more disappointing than the counterfeit. <laughs> um, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's not glitzy. It's not like that in the moment worship service that goes on for three hours thing. And then you leave and you have to go back to, you know, your life and, and, I've been to a few different churches that where I was not aware of what was going on. And my mom who had a very heightened sense of spiritual warfare and stuff, she was like, uh, we need to leave like right now. And I was like, why? <laughs> I mean, like they seem like they're really like spiritual and like loving the Lord and like really just giving out everything to him. And I want to be as free and open in my worship and everything. And like it, it didn't click to me because she had experienced like, what that led to and she had experienced that um counterfeit and she had also deeply and richly experienced the real relationship with the lord that takes faithfulness every single day yep. and relying on the word of god every single day and going to that as your spiritual experience if you will like it's yeah. that faithfulness and knowing that jesus is the same you can go to his word and be assured in everything so yeah, like knowing the real thing versus the counterfeit is huge, but it's getting harder and harder these days when it is. Yeah, we've got that relativism going. It's, so. it's kind of funny too. Uh, I'll just add this real quick. Uh, a lot of times churches that are like Bethel, like some of the more hyper charismatic churches, they'll use the book of Corinthians, you know, the first and second Corinthians as like, um, uh, like as their, like, oh, this is our, we champion this book. It talks about all these things. But what they forget is that why Paul <laughs> wrote it is because it was so out of control. He was trying yep, to rope yeah. them back in. And um, right. and so when you look at it from that angle, it begins to change a little bit of how you might feel about some of those things, those practices, uh, based on what Paul mm -hmm. writes there. But but yeah, um, man, there's so much more we could talk about on this. And, and maybe, we, maybe we'll have you back on again or... Or if, if you I'd want. love that. It'd be cool. And uh, 
But I know that uh, we are going to do a whole episode on NAR, and um, I would encourage anyone listening to this, as Rosie was in- saying too, if you think you're in a church that you're not sure about, you have some red flags, um, don't sit on those. Like, vet them out, mm-hmm. and you know, pray and seek your word, seek the word, and um, and get counsel from you know people that are further along in you than you in the faith that you trust. But also just hold it up to the word of God, and. If they're preaching things like you can be an apostle or a prophet, or if they're preaching things like kingdom now or dominionism, um, you know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with in like Christians working in entertainment and being teachers and in government. There's nothing wrong with, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just don't think the end result is going to be the same biblically than what, what NAR is teaching. So that's where you have to start using discernment on some of those things. What's the end game? that type of stuff so yeah but yeah it's cool man i i really love talking i geek out on this stuff so for me this is a fun more fun oh. conversation <laughs> ultimate geek over here yeah. same here same here yeah so great well uh, jackie thank you so much for joining us yes. on the podcast um do you uh do you want us to put your connections on social media on in the sure. show notes okay cool so we'll put her We'll connect her through the show notes. You can, um, if you have questions or if you um, just want to reach out to her, if you have a story or something that you think she might be able to help you with in that, I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Um, Love that. Know, yeah. So uh, I, th- I know that's your heart. So, uh, well, look, guys, I guess we will uh, put a fork in this one. Mm-hmm. Thank you again, Jackie. Yes. R- thank you very much. Thank Wait. you for having us. Yeah. Me. R- Rosie. Um, my yeah. multiple being. <laughs> that's right <laughs> well i feel a change in the atmosphere right now so we probably Whoa. should Woo. yeah do you feel that yeah get those. Like, I, I think there's gold dust gold coming dust. from the ceiling sweet oh, no. we're all gonna be rich look at it i need it rachel i see something sparkly behind you I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey 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 are those string lights or gold <laughs> 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 All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. See ya. All right. Bye, guys.